Ignition running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Good evening. It is Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB and Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. We have a green new deal and it is as bright red as communism. It's insane. Uh, we got to get into that. At the bottom of the hour, uh, former governor and current secretary of agriculture, Sonny Perdue, is going to join me. Uh, stick around for that, and we'll get into the Green New Deal. We've got some local news as well. Before any of that, though, uh, consider this your public service message. Uh, if you have an iPhone in particular, I don't know how to do this in Android, uh, and there's a reason for me telling you this. So as most of you know, if you're a regular listener, my wife has a Harley. Uh, when she got cancer, she very much wanted a Harley. She'd always wanted one. She pulled the I have cancer card you got to buy me a harley so she got a harley fat boy and her riding group that she was with today uh had a car plow into them um a an elderly woman in an suv they were headed uh east on a rural road and an elderly woman coming west uh, came over the hill and was so busy driving 60 some odd miles an hour staring at the motorcycles passing her she did not see that there was a car stopped in front of her trying to make a left turn as the motorcycles passed, uh, the elderly woman in the SUV plowed into the car in front of her, which then spun them both into the motorcycles. Uh, in the impact, uh, only one motorcycle, there were 14 motorcycles, they impacted at the 12th motorcycle, and that gentleman lost his leg, and his wife was in a sidecar with him, and she is very, very, very banged up. Um, it was not a good situation. And unfortunately, the motorcycle landed on top of the man, and the people there did not realize he was bleeding out from his missing leg. Um, and he is in very critical condition. Uh, they were able finally to get a tourniquet, had to find a place for the helicopter land. But there's a reason I, I tell you all of this. If you have an iPhone and you have gone into the health app on the iPhone, the health app is the app that is the white square with the red heart uh, off-centered towards the, the upper right. Uh, there is inside that a tab that says medical ID. If you go into the medical ID, you don't have to put in any information other than your emergency contacts. And then any person who works for an emergency unit, a, a doctor, or what have you, if they see your iPhone and they press the power button five times, one, two, three, four, five, this happens. It then automatically calls 911 and sends a text message to every single person you've listed as an emergency contact with a GPS coordinates on a map of where you're located. And the reason I tell you this is the injured couple has family that don't live in town. They're elderly, um, riding motorcycles, retirees, and their family does not live in the area. And had that emergency contact been able to be set up, people would have been able to notify their family. And it took a very long time, apparently, to be able to track down their children living out of town uh, because that wasn't set up. So I just, is just, you know, it, it's times like this where you remember these sorts of things and it's worth pointing out to you that if you have this information, if you put it in your iPhone and click the medical, put it in the medical ID part of the health app, 
Uh, someone can press the power button on your phone five times. It will call 911 and send a text message to all of your emergency contacts where you are. Useful information, uh, information you hope you never have to have. But consider this after this day, public service. My wife is fine. Everyone in the group was fine. It's a miracle the 13th and 14th bikes, um, they were not injured as bumpers were flying everywhere. Um, but this couple is in critical condition, so prayers for all of them. Um, nonetheless, your useful information of the day, make sure you put emergency contacts on your iPhone so they can be useful to other people. Now let's move into the news. The Green New Deal has come out, and it is... Uh, it's communism. It, it actually, y'all, first of all, let me, before I delve into this in detail, I want to tell you that you can tell House Democratic leaders aren't serious about this. Now, I know I have some progressive listeners because I get hate mail all the time from people who hate listen. Believe it or not, it's a phenomenon. People hate listen to conservative talk radio. People are hate listening right now. And I got to tell you guys who are hate listening, I realize you love, and that's not including the Trump supporters, uh, I realize you love this Green New Deal. But I can tell you, uh, that House Democratic leaders aren't serious about it. In fact, Jamie Dupree and I had a series of email exchanges this afternoon, and, and he's of that mind as well that this is the the left-wing version of the House Freedom Caucus, and they're going to get no further with House leaders than the Freedom Caucus did with Republican leaders. I can tell that House Democratic leaders are not serious about this uh, Green New Deal and are probably setting them up for blame because they allowed an outline to be released with the Green New Deal that is at best farcical. It is filled with gibberish. I mean, y'all, what you need to understand is that this Green New Deal being released by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Progressive Caucus of the House Democrats is the first major policy initiative of Generation Tide Pod Eater. Uh, and Generation Tide Pod Eater is proving that the generation of Americans who think Tide Pods should be eaten are not up to governing this country. Let me read you one of the passages from their Green New Deal. This, this is actually in the document they made public today to explain it. When JFK said we'd go to the by the end of the decade, people said impossible. That's, I'm not leaving out words, they're leaving out words. When JFK said we go to the, by the end of the decade, people said impossible. As opposed to when JFK said we'd go to the moon by the end of the decade, people said it would be impossible. Yeah, they, they left out all those extraneous words. I mean, this is word salad garbage from Generation Todd Pie Eater that was probably like like chewing cannabis gummy bears as well while they were doing this thing. The whole thing is nuts. Listen, if this was a serious proposal from serious people, Nancy Pelosi and House Democrats would have vetted it, would have screened it, would have made sure that it was proofread, and would have done a better job of outlining and preparing graphics and bullet points for it. This was done by some intern, it looks like, on, on Microsoft Word, uh, using the, the bullet point outlines. It, the whole thing is, is farcical. Nancy Pelosi looks like she's setting these people up to fail. In fact, this afternoon, she was very, very dismissive of it. Uh, so dismissive, in fact, that uh, she waved it off and said, what are they calling it? The Green Dream or whatever. Who doesn't support that? I mean, completely dismissive of it. 
she would not have let this document be released. And here's the thing. Nancy Pelosi knows that the language in this document is going to be used against the Democrats. And that's going to force many of them to run away from it. In fact, the senator, the left-wing senator from Hawaii, the idiot woman who actually got into a discussion with a judicial nominee the other day about midget tossing or dwarf tossing. I'm not making that up. She actually challenged the nominee from the president on whether that woman supported dwarf tossing. Yes, the, the idiot senator from Hawaii actually has said... Uh, that this would hurt Hawaii. And do you know why it would hurt Hawaii? Because one of the proposals, y'all, I'm not making this up. One of the parts of the Green New Deal is the abolition of the airplane. Within 10 years, the goal of the Green New Deal is to abolish all private vehicles and airplanes. Because in a 10-year period, they will have built so many railroads in this country with high-speed rail that people will have no need to get on an airplane. So you can spend three days crossing the country on a train instead of four hours. So by the time you get from New York to California, you'll be ready to go home again. That's actually in the plan. What's also in the plan is a lament that they're not sure they're going to be able to get rid of farting cows within 10 years. One of the, yes, that's the language they use. Um, actually, yes, we aren't sure this is direct quote, direct quote. I'm not making it up. It's direct quote. We aren't sure that we'll be able to fully get rid of farting cows. Nancy Pelosi would not let them put that in. If this was serious, here's another one they want to do quote, massively expand clean manufacturing like solar panel factories, wind turbine factories, battery and storage manufacturing, energy efficient manufacturing components, and remove pollution and greenhouse gas emissions from manufacturing. Do you know that some of the most environmentally toxic manufacturing in the world is manufacturing of batteries and solar panels because of the chemicals that they use, the chemicals and heavy metals that they use in these things? These are not environmentally friendly production facilities. For them to say they want to up to increase that expansion while also getting rid of pollution from that manufacturing is an impossibility. You can't get rid of the pollution from manufacturing batteries due to the heavy metals that are necessary. Unless you're going to use unicorn farts. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, if they power all of this by unicorn farts, they'll be able to, to solve the cow farting problem with unicorn farts and also solve the battery problem. They also, another direct quote, want to work with farmers and ranchers to create a sustainable pollution and greenhouse gas-free food system that ensures universal access to healthy food and expands independent family farming. In other words, they want to get rid of meat. They want to use government pressure to get rid of meat. You see, you can't have greenhouse gas emissions-free food if you have animals who emit carbon dioxide. Do you know the last... I'm not making this up either. Do you know the last government on the planet? The last government on the planet that gave serious consideration to making the citizens become vegetarians. There actually was a government on this planet that wanted to impose vegetarianism on its population. Do you have any idea what country you wanted to use the power of government to force people to be vegetarians? That would be Germany with Hitler in charge during World War II. After the bottom of the hour newscast, uh, 
Former Governor Sonny Perdue, now Secretary of Agriculture, is going to join me talking about the president's agenda after the State of the Union. And I'm sure I'm going to ask him about the Stacey Abrams response and maybe the Green New Deal. You know, one of the other bits in this Green New Deal is they actually say they want to pay a living wage to Americans unwilling to work. Not Americans unable to work. Americans unwilling to work will be paid a living wage by the government with your tax dollars. And then, honestly, one of my favorite parts of the whole thing uh, is how to pay for it. I want to actually read you the language from the Green New Deal on how to pay for it. Quote, how will you pay for it is one of the questions in this outline they offer. Here's what they say. The same way we paid for the New Deal, the 2008 bank bailout, and extended quantitative easing programs. The same way we paid for World War II and all our current wars. The Federal Reserve could extend credit to power these projects and investments, and new public banks can be created to extend credit. New public banks can be created to extend credit. There is also space for the government to take an equity stake in projects to get a return on investment. At the end of the day, this is an investment in our economy that should grow our wealth as a nation. So the question isn't how will we pay for it, but what will we do with our new shared prosperity? It's not how we'll pay for it, but how we'll do with our new, what we'll do with our new shared prosperity. Ask Venezuela what they're doing with their new shared prosperity. They probably were eating the Tide Pods while they were actually doing this. Generation Tide Pods first. <laughs> first major substantive issue. By the way, um, for perspective, j- just so we have some perspective here, Barack Obama added $8 trillion to the national debt. Barack Obama added more than any previous president to the national debt. George W. Bush only added $5 trillion. Franklin Roosevelt for World War II, $209 billion. Adjusted for inflation even, uh, that's it only tops out around a trillion dollars. Basically, Ronald Reagan added $1.86 trillion during the Cold War, and uh, Franklin Roosevelt adjusted for inflation matched about that for World War to pay for World War II. What would the cost of this be? We don't know, but the conservative estimates are $20 trillion. Our national debt right now is equal to what this entire program would cost. They want to ban the airplane. And here's something a, a buddy of mine texted me on, on Twitter. Uh, direct message me. So she wants to get rid of fossil fuel trucks and cars. How are you going to get the vegetables from the farms when we eliminate the cattle? Well, that's just it. They also want to get rid of national farms and go back to locally grown sourcing. This is what happens when you get a New York progressive who's never been outside her city and doesn't realize the vast expanse of this country, that it just doesn't work. When we come back, Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, will join me.
Okay, I want to tell you guys about Calm, uh, which has become the most used app in my household. Uh, we've been using it because my buddy Jonathan last recommended it to me. Even before they came along asking if I'd do an endorsement, I was like, uh, yes, I'll endorse you uh, because we use you. It's the number one app to help you sleep, meditate, and relax. If you head to calm.com slash Eric, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription. It includes hundreds of hours of programs. It includes guided meditations for anxiety, stress, focus, including brand new meditation called The Daily Calm. There are sleep stories with some of the very famous actors reading. You get Stephen Fry or uh, with France and the Lavender Fields or Explore New Zealand with Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones. Bob Ross is there as well. For a limited time, my listeners are going to get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Eric. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash Eric. You get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com slash Eric. Give yourself the gift of calm. It, have a happy and healthy 2019. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here with Atlanta's Evening News. Joining me by phone from Washington is the Secretary of Agriculture, former Governor Sonny Perdue. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm great, Eric. How are you doing? Good I'm, to talk with you. You too. So... I thank you for calling in and taking the time uh, between the president's speech and um, Stacey Abrams' response. And now, of course, I, I'm sure you haven't had a chance to digest the the new Green New Deal from the Democrats that they actively in their document say they want to ban farting cows. Um, there's a lot to digest this week in the news. Well, I can tell you, USDA is not for that. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. So, I, I, you know, you're a former governor, in addition to being Secretary of Agriculture. I, I'm actually kind of interested in your take on what Stacey Abrams had to say. Well, again, I think uh, while she is a gifted orator and a good speaker and delivers very well, I hope people will listen to what she's saying, frankly. And that's the challenge. That was the challenge during the governor's race. If you listen to what she says, Eric, I cannot be convinced that's where Georgia is. Uh, when she talks about voter suppression, she, her definition is suppressing the votes of illegal aliens voting in our, in our elections. Those are the kind of things uh, from a taxation standpoint, calling the tax reductions immoral, uh, the health care for everyone, Medicare for all, single payer, those kind of things. That's not where Georgians are. And while she is... Uh, I get the deliverer of those remarks. I hope people will listen to what she's saying. Well, it, it was interesting to me even, for example, so I stayed on air until 1 o'clock in the morning after the, after the speeches, and the number of truck drivers who were willing to call in, very angry that they're now able to finally get back on their feet after, after the Obama regulations that cut into truck driving, and uh, that the Trump administration rolled back, and it, now they're blasting her, saying she wants to take away their income that they're making, that they got a good thing going, and she seemed to be talking down the economy and talking down truck driving. Well, I thought it was interesting the other night. You watched it in the uh, uh, the State of the Union and the House Chambers. Those issues that Democrats have always been for, jobs for Americans and for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, women, disabled, uh, at record levels, low levels of unemployment for those different groups. Democrats sat on their hands while the president recalled the fact that they are the lowest in history. And uh, I can't understand that. This is uh, 
they don't want to seem to give him a, a win at all over the things he's accomplished. Well, it was a very striking contrast with Democrats. They, the only time they really wanted to stand up and cheer was when he pointed out the number of women in the workforce and particularly the number of women now in Congress. And that we really are on a good streak right now with the economy. No doubt about it. I mean, these are really historic levels. And, and because of the uh, demonization of President Trump, and they ignore that, I think they're going to ignore it actually to their uh, – uh, disaster in 2020 when people realize the public gets it, Eric. I've always been a, a huge believer that the American electorate, the, the citizen out there, gets a lot more than many times we in elected office get. They feel it every day. They know about it in their paycheck. They know where they're getting jobs. The job report this past month, 304,000 more jobs, more people working. That tells me people have hope. They're coming out of the uh, uh, out of their houses and saying, I can get a job, I can work again. That's definitely uh, the result of President Trump's economic policies. Well, it, it related to that, it, it, you being Secretary of Agriculture, two weeks before the election in November and uh, just a couple of weeks after that devastating hurricane really hit South Georgia, Stacey Abrams went down to South Georgia and insulted the agriculture community and uh, people didn't need to feel like they wor- had to work in, in that industry, she said. Uh, I, I'm just curious, as Secretary of Agriculture, your thoughts on the recovery down there with the farms? Well, obviously, we've had uh, Hurricane Michael since that time and uh, it's uh, a huge, uh, a huge challenge. Uh, I was just visiting over here on Capitol Hill. I'm actually on here now, talking about the disaster bill that I hope we can see soon to give our uh, some of our farmers, both in pecans, cotton, peanuts, and other specialty crops, including uh, even our timber crops, uh, some real relief there that uh, they could not uh, control, and it was devastating damages. I had to really bite my tongue during the campaign. I didn't think I needed to get into the campaign, you know, the Hatch Act and all that. But mm-hmm. I, I was particularly offended when she stood there and said Georgians shouldn't have to go into agriculture to find jobs as though working in agriculture is a demeaning enterprise. That was, that was particularly offensive to me. Georgians, it's number one, Georgia's number one industry, and most all of us like to eat every day. <laughs> well, according to the Democrats in their new Green Deal today, we'll all be eating vegetarian if they have their way. <laughs> well, good luck. Well, listen, I, I know you got a busy day and you're on Capitol Hill. Thanks for stopping by and sharing your thoughts. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. Always good to speak with you. You too. Take care. That's former Governor Sonny Perdue, Secretary of Agriculture now. Uh, calling in, wanted to chime in on the president's State of the Union and Stacey Abrams. It, it is interesting, the the focus now on the White House and elsewhere uh, regarding Stacey Abrams' response. I think they realize that they're going to be in for a fight in 2020, including here in Georgia, and they're doing what they can to lay the groundwork for that. By the way, I, I just saw this flyer being pushed out on social media from the Georgia Young Republicans. Uh, February 9th, this weekend, is the mass meetings, the precinct caucus meetings for the Georgia Republican Party in counties that have more than 80,000 people. Uh, Then April 15th, or I'm sorry, March 9th will be the county uh, conventions. For counties with under 80,000 people, they'll do precinct caucuses at 9 a.m. Then they'll have their county conventions. Uh, April 13th will be district conventions, and then May 16th to 18th 
will be the state convention at the Savannah International Trade Center. Uh, beautiful facility down there. If you want to get involved in your local Republican Party, considering that 2020 is going to be a huge year for Georgia, as Democrats treat it like a swing state and pour resources into the state, if you go to gagop.org, you'll be able to find the information for your local uh, precincts and counties. Find out from your local county where your precinct meeting is going to be this Saturday. All you have to do is show up. It's 10 a.m., uh, February 9th, this Saturday at 10 a.m., your county is going to gather at a designated place. They'll announce it. Uh, the state GOP will have information. Your local county party will. If you want to be involved in local politics, the Democrats have a very similar setup. I don't have their information. Nobody sent it to me. Um, but the the Georgia GOP, I, I see this circulating on Twitter. You want to be involved in this. They're going to pick a new chairman this year as well uh, to lay the groundwork coming for 2020. Now, the phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. There is a little more on the Green New Deal. It's, it's uh, this whole thing, as I was telling uh, Secretary Purdue, they want to ban meat in the country. They want to get rid of cows in the country. They believe that that is a bad thing. Um, they also uh, say, um, in far as far as funding, this is a quote, if Eisenhower wanted to build the interstate highway system today, people would ask how we'd pay for it. And so what do they do? They don't tell you how they will pay for it. They say instead that we shouldn't focus on cost. We should focus on what we will do with our new shared prosperity. This is communism. And I don't use that term lightly. I know a lot of people like to throw around commies and, and whatnot. And this goes beyond socialism. What Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Democrats and the Progressive Caucus are announcing is a government that will control the means of producing food, will control how food is brought to the market, will control your transportation options, will pay people who don't want to work. That is one of the key points in this Green New Deal, that somehow it is good for the environment to pay people who do not want to work, who in the language of this deal are unwilling to work. They will be paid money. And they want to ban meat. They want to ban all. They want to ban chickens. They don't want to just ban red meat. They want to ban pigs, cows, bison, uh, chickens, turkeys. You name it. Uh, fish. I guess they'll give an exception to fish since they're underwater. But any any animal that produces uh, carbon dioxide as a byproduct, they want to get rid of. This is this is insanity. No rational person could actually read this and think it's a good idea, they, which is why I, I'm I'm doubling down on the idea. I think that the Democratic leaders are hoping that they'll be exposed for fools in that they didn't vet any of this stuff ahead of time and let them rush it out with all the typos, all the grammar errors, everything in it to make them look as foolish as possible. And then Nancy Pelosi treating it very dismissively this afternoon, even as she sets up a committee to study climate change. She treats this very dismissively. This is, I don't think the Democrats want anything to do with it. And guess what? They're going to get stuck with it now because their base wants this. And the base is really setting up the Democrats for failure in 2020. I mean, honestly, between the Green New Deal and infanticide, where can I learn how to be a volunteer and door knocker for President Trump in 2020? It's 57 after the hour. It's Eric Erickson here. And real quick, uh, Cheryl, we've only got about a minute, but I wanted to get your phone call in. Welcome. Hi. Hi. I have, I, have, I guess, a question comment for you. Okay. Okay. If my mother, who had seven children, 
had a husband, which she did, walked 30 miles every night home from work, she would have had her fanny in her car, driven the 30 miles and picked her husband up and driven him home, especially in the rain. Stacy Abrams' mother let him walk hitchhike home in the rain that night when he gave his jacket away. I find that rather odd. Well, you know, what she actually says in the speech is that um, her, her dad had to go home. They only had one car in the family. So the mom had it during the day, and if she couldn't get back to the dad to pick him up at night, they would go get him. And so it was raining, and he headed the walk home hitchhiking along the way, and they headed to get him. And he gave his coat away to a homeless man, and they asked him why, and he said, because I knew that he was going to be alone, but y'all were coming to get me. So, no, I think it was a sweet story. We don't need to ding that one. It's the second hour here, Eric Erickson on News 95.5 AM 750 WSB with Atlanta's evening news. The phone numbers 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We need to shift in uh, to some local news, what's happening. Uh, Rob Woodall is not going to seek re-election in the 7th Congressional District. He was almost voted out. Uh, this past time, everyone actually thought that Handel would survive and he would lose, and it was the opposite. He's going now, and, and that's going to give the, the Democrats likely a pickup unless the Republicans find a really good excuse me, good candidate and rally behind that person. Um, but it, I, I don't want to dwell on that. I, I, I need to talk to you about Representative Casey Carpenter. Um, he is under attack from left-wing activists. In fact, his restaurant, I believe his restaurant is the, it's the Oakwood Cafe in Dalton, Georgia. Gay rights activists are on Yelp and other restaurant review sites, and they are leaving nasty reviews about this restaurant, many of them having, most of them, if not all of them, having never actually eaten there. And it's over a piece of legislation that uh, Casey Carpenter in the State House has introduced that has nothing to do with gay rights, but has been declared by the Democrats to be anti-LGBT. It's no longer LGBT, it's LGBTQ. So it's anti-LGBTQ. Q is for questioning. The pagans are among us. Um, so what does this legislation actually do? So it's House Bill 53. You will recall there was a, an issue in the state uh, last year where a teacher, a, a high school coach, was disciplined for praying with his students. There's actually a case before the Supreme Court right now on a similar situation in a different state. They sent it back to the, uh, yeah, buddy says LGBTQIA, a plus, yeah, something. Anyway, uh, so there's a, the case has been sent back to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals from the Supreme Court for more facts. Uh, they haven't thrown the case out altogether of a coach who was praying with students and was actually uh, fired. And one of their grounds for firing him is he was seen praying during a football game as a spectator, not just as a coach. So Casey Carpenter has introduced House Bill 53. House Bill 53 would protect teachers, coaches, and students who 
make public shows of their faith in their homework assignments and when they're interacting with students. So a coach could not be punished in Georgia. And again, this has happened in Georgia already, where a coach has been punished for praying on the field with his students. He was disciplined in Georgia. We have had situations as well in Georgia where teachers have prohibited students from, during literary assignments and whatnot, using the older New Testament or books of the Bible as a focus of the literary assignments. This has happened in Georgia. These aren't hypotheticals. It has nothing to do with gay rights. It has nothing to do with transgenderism, nothing. All it does is say that you cannot fire a coach for praying with the students, and you cannot uh, discipline a student for using the Bible in a, as an appropriate part of a lesson. Now, there are a few other things in there as well, but all it is is about protecting students and faculty uh, who are exercising their religious rights. There's nothing about gay rights in there. There's nothing about uh, a, a, protecting a teacher who doesn't want a gay student in the classroom or anything like that. But what's happening is that uh, gay rights activists and Democrats have declared this to be uh, anti-LGBTQ. And in fact, uh, Representative Casey Carpenter tried to engage with one of the organizations that was leading an effort on him on Facebook, and they deleted all of his comments. He went to their Facebook page and said, this isn't true, here's all the legislation does, and they deleted all of his comments explaining what the legislation did. They, they then blocked him so he couldn't go in and try to explain to them that they had the legislation wrong. And now they are encouraging, these left-wing activist groups are encouraging people to go on uh, sites that review the Oakwood Cafe in Dalton, Georgia, that he is a partner in, and give it really bad reviews, even though they've never eaten it. They're trying to ruin his non-legislative career in business because of a piece of legislation that only does protect faculty and students who dare to pray in school. Just, it's unreal. Uh, but, you know, it's to be expected in this day and age. By the way, Doug Turnbull is, uh, Doug, Doug, I'm sorry, not Doug, Clark Howard is going to be joining me here uh, in just a little bit to talk about the SunTrust BB&T merger. If you haven't heard, SunTrust and BB&T are going to merge and they're going to move the corporate headquarters from Atlanta up to Charlotte, which is becoming more and more of a finance center and banking center. They got a lot of banking and finance industries up there, which begs the question, if they change the name, so they're not going to use SunTrust, and they're not going to use BB&T. They're not going to use either one. They're going to go through an entirely brand new marketing, branding campaign, come up with something new. They'll be the fifth largest bank in the country, I believe. And that means that SunTrust Stadium is going to have to be, the name will be changed. Now, I personally never call it the SunTrust Stadium. I call it the um, Brave Stadium. Uh, half the time, I still call it Turner Field. You, you, maybe they'll come up with something more appropriate, like Hank Aaron Stadium. Maybe, just maybe. I mean, I'm not going to hold my breath on that. But Clark Howard is going to be here to discuss that momentarily with me. Um, other news in the, the state that you should know about is there is an investigation for voter fraud happening in the state. And I know that uh, the Democrats would have us believe voter fraud does not happen in Georgia. But uh, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger is opening an investigation into voter fraud in a state House district that doesn't seem to ever end. This is the House District 28 where they had a special election. It turned out that a bunch of people voted in the special election who the district data was wrong. They weren't supposed to vote. So they had an election again 
And it turns out that a number of people, and it seems like a small number, but it impacted the race, uh, at least four people voted who had moved out of the district um, more than 30 days before the election and were somehow still able to cast ballots. So they're investigating how this happened. A judge invalidated the first election. Uh, that was the primary in May because of dozens of Habersham County voters assigned to the House District. So they had the second election in December, and a judge found four votes had moved beforehand, casting the results in doubt because there was a two-vote margin of victory, so they've changed it again. So now there's going to be a third election up there, and we're having a voter fraud investigation, which the Democrats, including Stacey Abrams, say doesn't happen in Georgia. Now, I want to give Clark a little more time to be able to talk about the SunTrust uh, BB&T thing. He's been up on TV talking about it as well, so he's gone from upstairs to downstairs at WSB, from TV to radio. Uh, we're going to take our time out now so I can spend a little time with Clark Howard on this SunTrust BB&T merger when we come back. There are a ton of stories out there about online security breaches, and you got to start worrying about how your data is used and where it goes, who's looking at it, making an online purchase, or accessing your email could put your private information at risk. And you know you're being tracked online by social media companies, marketing companies, your mobile or internet provider can track you. There's one way to make sure your privacy is secure, and that's with ExpressVPN. It's got easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background on your computer, on your phone, on your tablet. All you do to turn it on is one click. It secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing by encrypting your data, hiding your public IP address, and you can use ExpressVPN for less than $7 a month. It's the number one VPN service by TechRadar. It comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so protect your online privacy today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash E-R-I-C-K. For three months free with a one-year package, visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. SunTrust and BB&T, they're going to merge. I'm assuming they're not going to rename the stadium the SunTrust BB&T Stadium. In fact, I think they're going to come up with a brand new name. That's what they're saying anyway. Joining me now to talk about this, Clark Howard. How are you? Great. How are you this warm afternoon? Fantastic. Man, the sunshine's been great today. Yeah, I mean, to steal a day like this in midwinter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, my wife loves the sunshine this time of year. And so. now we've got BB&T stealing our hometown bank. I, I know. So, I mean, we, we've got SunTrust Plaza downtown. They're going to move the headquarters up to, to Charlotte. This, this isn't good for Atlanta. Is well, it good for consumers? Yeah, and every time a big company leaves Atlanta, a lot of their charitable giving goes away. A lot of their connection to the community goes away. I mean, this is even though it's being falsely referred to as a merger of equals, BB&T is buying SunTrust, and they are going to be running the show. Now, I, I I just, I had it in my head, I presume, that, that maybe it is. SunTrust is bigger than BB&T. Is this a smaller guy buying? No, BB&T is actually considered to be of the second-tier banks in the country, perhaps the best run of all of them. Mm-hmm. And... They are testing the waters, feeling like uh, with the Trump administration in power, a merger that never would have been approved will now be approved. It's been roughly 15 years since a bank merger like this has been approved, other than the shotgun ones 
during the financial crisis. Right. So, so what do you what are you expecting out of this? I, I'm expecting this to be approved and then set off dozens of more marriages like this or acquisitions along these lines because the muddy middle of the banking business is in a really world of hurt right now. They're not big enough to compete against the four giant monster mega banks that have more than half of all market share in the country now, and they're too big to really get close to entrepreneurial-type customers, small businesses. So they've got to get out of this muddy middle, and these banks are going to have to merge into significant networks in order to be able to compete on a nearly equal footing with Chase, City, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America. Well, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I Christy has had her Bank of America account since she was a teenager, and it's what we uh, took over when we got married. But I, I've I've set up several bank accounts after that. I've used smaller banks. I haven't used any of the big guys. And uh, one of the things I've noticed using one of the smaller banks is just online bill pay and stuff is so much further behind. And so I assume as a consumer, stuff like that, improves when you have a company like SunTrust and BB&T getting together. Yeah, so one of the big reasons they gave to Wall Street is just that. And they'll be in a position after they do all the massive layoffs over the next couple of years to free up a lot of money to be able to have a real solid digital bank product. But there are human beings uh, who have dedicated their lives, people who we're talking about, who are going to get crushed by right. this, who work for both banks, but I believe more heavily the job losses will fall on SunTrust as the bank being bought rather than the bank doing the buying. I would expect so as well. So, Clark, real quick, we, we got less than a minute. Uh, if, if What's your preferred name that they could come up with? <laughs> uh, Erickson Bank. Hey, there you go. How about Howard Ella, Erickson? No, can't be because I'm a credit union guy. I could never have my name attached to a bank. And besides, it, through this process, a lot of people are going to be in play who are going to consider looking at a new financial institution. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get a lot of bribes in the mail from various banks and credit unions offering us money to capture us away from both of these banks. Well, Clark Howard, thanks very much. I appreciate it very sure. much. is 39 after the hour. It's Eric Erickson, and the phone number here is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Um, I, I want to dwell a little more on some local news instead of getting back into the Green New Deal. If we have time, we'll get there. I'm happy to take your phone calls on it as well. Uh, but if you missed the headlines, uh, there were 169 sex trafficking arrests in the metro area uh, right before the Super Bowl. And there is this belief that essentially the Super Bowl is the also the Super Bowl of sex trafficking, um, that people bring in uh, people for it. And that's not actually true. Um, the Super Bowl itself, and, and I long believed this, I should say, um, but the more you research it, it's actually not true. Um, what happens 
is um, oftentimes arrests in areas because it has been an issue in the past, you do have a situation where the FBI makes it a priority in the run-up to big sporting events because you have uh, local human trafficking issues that have gone unresolved. So we had 169 arrests for trafficking in the metro Atlanta area in the runoff uh, run-up to the Super Bowl. 21 of the 34 suspects arrested as alleged Johns were arrested in a sting set up in Brookhaven. Uh, Bill Torpy has this at WSB TV. Uh, one had gone on the sting for four, for months with 22 agencies involved and was sprung to coincide with the Super Bowl to get maximum publicity. And this is one of the things that were done. Um, now, the Johns were... Uh, fairly evenly black or white or Hispanic, uh, ranging from 20 to 55, uh, locals mostly. Uh, the other interesting number here is 34. Uh, well, it, it, that's, that's the number who were engaged, but 26 traffickers were arrested. Now there were nine adult women and nine minors who were the victims, uh, with this 169 arrests. Um, so there weren't a lot of victims, but there was a lot of organization. Today is one of the days, if you get on Instagram, for example, you'll see a lot of people with red X's on um, their hands to fight human trafficking. This is a big issue, and there is a desire by some, I think, to push back on the Super Bowl mythology about human trafficking. There are some who get really angry when you push back on it. Uh, regardless of the Super Bowl or not, in Atlanta, there is a huge problem with human trafficking still. In fact, the I-75 corridor uh, from Chattanooga down to Florida has huge problems with human trafficking. Oftentimes, you will see the signage of... Uh, businesses, small businesses, usually in um, rundown strip malls, advertising 24-hour spas, and you're wondering what on earth are these places? Well, many times that's what these places are. They're they're local prostitution rings, uh, oftentimes fronts for human trafficking. It is a serious issue, and it is great that the governor and the legislature are getting really serious about this issue. In fact, when I was on city council down in Macon, it was actually Karen Handel's team, uh, and then she left to run for the Senate, and Brian Kemp's team finished it up. Um, the big issue about human trafficking, we were trying to crack down on it in Macon, and Brian Kemp's office of Secretary of State was very, very, very helpful in that regard because they convinced us Instead of diverting police resources to to fight this, one of the easiest ways to fight it and one of the ways most likely to get it through a county commission or a city council was to make it a regulatory issue and work with the regulators to make the business licensing contingent on doing certain things, having certain light bulbs. Believe it or not, the, the legit establishments have light bulbs in all the offices and the illegitimate businesses really hate to have light bulbs in certain rooms. Uh, they don't like to have logs of the people who come in, stuff like that. They don't like to have cameras. So you put that stuff in regulation and you drive most of them out of business just for a regulatory compliance. And you never have to steer police away from more serious crime. And, and that's one of the issues with human trafficking. And I, I want to be very clear at this moment. I'm speaking in generalities. When I the only reason I ran for office was this issue. 
and got elected campaigning on cracking down on human trafficking in middle Georgia. Because I had been made aware of the problem, it was a real problem, and one of the pieces of advice I got was to find ways to crack down on it without involving law enforcement. And the reason is because, and again, this, these are generalities, but I think that these generalities pan out even in my personal experience. One of the things that the human traffickers do is they rent locations for their 24-hour spas, often Asian-themed massage parlors, and they rent from people with political connections, oftentimes people who are on county commissions and city councils. They become the landlords. And so, of course, they have, whether they know that it's happening or not, they have a vital vested interest in not disrupting their tenants. So if you're coming around with law enforcement, one of the things they like to say is, that, well, we can't distract law enforcement from real crime. We can't distract law enforcement from uh, really bad things that are happening, for hypothetical things that are happening. So if you use the regulatory front to fight human trafficking, then they're in a very awkward position because it puts them in a conflict of interest. Uh, are you trying to protect your businesses, your, your renters, your tenants, over the public good and over the regulatory environment? Because uh, most Democrats in particular, truth be told, they, they are not opposed to more business regulations and taxes and fines as a way to make money for cities and counties. So you go that route, you pick up Democratic support, you marginalize anyone who might be a property renter to these businesses who is political, and you have greater impact. And you also have the argument that, well, we're not tying up police resources. That's the way we actually did it in middle Georgia on the advice of uh, some national groups. Um, the Secretary of State's office advised us to go that way, and it was quite successful. There are still problems. It, it doesn't get rid of it altogether. You still have to have an aggressive police force ultimately dealing with it. But it is nice now to see that our state legislature and governor are also really engaging on this issue now because it has gone on for a very long time. And there is more and more data, more and more research, more and more arrests show that the southeast and in particular the I-75 corridor through Georgia from north to south with Atlanta being a hotbed of it are really serious issues for human trafficking. And in the past, a lot of people could say, well, this is just these are foreigners and whatnot. And that's not true anymore. The tide has turned because of border crackdowns by the Bush and Obama administration. I know a lot of conservatives believe that illegal immigrants are just flooding across the border. And yes, too many are. But we've now crossed the Rubicon on this issue where the majority of people trafficked in this country are victims from this country, kidnapped or otherwise. Uh, and so the victims of human trafficking are American kids. And for those who have long said this isn't really a big issue for us, it's other people, it's other countries, it's other cultures, now it's ours, it's time to take action. And it's great to see the governor and a bipartisan coalition of the legislature doing that.